0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the February episode of Jazz Talk Seattle. My name is
1: Josh. And my name is Max.
0: And today in our internet studio, we have our first ever double guest, Kate Voss and Jason Gessel from Sunday and Mr. Gessel. Welcome, Kate and Jason. Thank
2: welcome, you guys. You. Thanks.
0: Thank you. So a little bit about these two vocalists, uh, Kate Voss and guitarist Jason Gessel performing as Sunday and Mr. Gessel. Uh, You've performed this way for the past seven years. Is that right?
2: That is correct. Actually, our first show was almost eight years ago, but we didn't start performing as Sunday and Mr. Gessel until about seven years ago so gotcha
0: okay so the name is seven years long but you've been playing together for even longer than that Uh,
2: (laughs) sometimes it feels longer
0: (laughs) 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 these two have a laundry list of awards uh earshot vocalist of the year 2016 uh your album fun and fancy this new one came out in march 2020 and was named best jazz album with vocals by the independent music awards and just freshly nominated, uh like a week or two ago, I think, earshot Northwest Recording of the Year, Northwest Acoustic Jazz Ensemble of the Year, and Vocalist of the Year. Congratulations.
2: Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I do have a correction though. We didn't actually uh win the Independent Music Award, but we were nominated. So
1: Ah,
0: my it's apologies an honor it to be nominated.
2: Still counts.
1: <laughs> Still counts. <laughs> That's a big arena. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, Can we just kind of go back to the beginnings of this whole thing, uh, if you don't mind? Uh, How did you guys get started with music in the first place?
2: Um. Well, are you asking individually or as our? Yeah, I
1: suppose. Um, I mean, this is kind of a dual interview, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, comes together. (laughs) Sure. I'm gonna have Jason start. Jason, who never hardly ever speaks at our shows. Here he is, Mr. Gessel himself.
1: There he is.
3: Um, so I started playing music at a, at a young age. I had um, I was nine years old and my mom got me a guitar and some guitar lessons. And I just, um, I was really into, um, it was the 80s. So I was really into hair metal. So <laughs> nice. I ripped, up, ripped up my jeans and tried to, you know, learn all the, I don't know, white snake, white lion motley crew guns and roses that sort of thing and uh turn up my amp and um i heard some free jazz at a very young age heard Derek bailey i'm just like oh i can do this at age 11 i just shove stuff in my strings and make noise <laughs> um and then down the road um i think when i got into middle school i um went to a, uh, a, a small school in Wisconsin, but we had a really good jazz program. So uh, I think our graduating cl- our high school was about 400 people, but we had three jazz bands, um, which is what pretty What was the cool. name of the high school? Uh, Denmark high school is Denmark, Wisconsin.
1: Okay, cool.
3: And then, um, summers I would spend uh, at, uh, from after sixth grade through 12th grade, all my summers were at jazz camps in like northern Wisconsin. I'd go to Shell Lake Jazz Camp. There's Birch Creek in Door County. Um, I'd go to Jamie Abersol outside of Chicago Jazz Camp. Hmm. So I had a lot of, yeah, got to play a lot of jazz and, and hang out with a lot of, um, you know folks older than me when i was 16 and got my license i'd go to the university of wisconsin green bay and hang out with the jazz all the the jazz cats there and invite me to their jam sessions and their coffee shops and all that stuff
1: wow um i'm glad that that whole thing started with a pair of rips jeans as well that's really cool (laughs) Um,
3: yeah it went right from (laughs) air metal to jazz
1: (laughs) that's awesome wow cool what about you kate
2: uh, well, I grew up in a pretty musical family and uh, was singing uh, by the time I could talk. Um, but I didn't have any formal vocal lessons until I was in high school and then uh I was in choir and did all the, you know, all the plays and the musicals. And any time I could be on stage was kind of my favorite time. Um, and... Yeah, I got into jazz um, when I was twenty. I started teaching piano at Westside Music Academy in West Seattle, and uh, I happened to be teaching uh, one of Greta Matassa's daughters piano. And I was like, you know, oh, no, no way, I should maybe take some voice lessons with you. And I'd been studying jazz piano for um, a few years at that point, and um, I just thought it was a good, good way to go to accompany myself and get better at singing. And, you know, I've always loved jazz. And so I just started swapping lessons with Cred, I would teach her daughter piano and she would teach me voice. And she, she is really the one I attribute to, um, opening up, uh, you know, the magical door of jazz to me, cause I didn't know, um, a lot about it. I was more of a pop choir, um, kind of, singer and musician and did a lot of country music. Um, So when she, you know, introduced me to all these amazing singers and I was just kind of blown away and fell in love and haven't really looked back since.
1: Wow. That's a really cool way to get into jazz. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Um, How did you get
0: started playing piano? I'm curious to hear about that side of things.
2: Oh, uh, you know, my sister, she Cammy Voss owns Westside Music Academy and she's, she's my big sister and she played piano. So I wanted to be yep. just like her when I was a kid. Uh, so my parents got me piano lessons when I started, I started like age seven, I think. Um, so, you know, I did the whole, you know, solo ensemble stuff and classical music and learned how to read and everything and played in church. And uh, so I kind of have a, a little bit of a diverse background in piano so i can play by ear sure. and i can um i can read music and so when i started teaching it was uh it was kind of cool because I could kind of draw from a lot of different styles and a lot of different ways of learning. So, um, at the height of my teaching, I think I taught at Westside for about 10 years. Um, I was seeing about 55 students a week. It was kind Holy of insane. Cow, that's a lot <laughs> of <students.
4: laughs> Yeah.
2: But, um, yeah, I, I left teaching to perform full-time with sunday mr gessel and it's been seven years since i did that
1: wow it's
2: pretty cool holy cow well yeah. speaking,
1: so, speaking of that oh yeah go
2: ahead josh
0: yeah ex- i was going exactly where you were max so how, <laughs> you did you start playing? One. how did you start playing music together
2: oh um well i uh well, let's see i i've was a little bit in the Ballard country scene for a minute and I was dating someone in that scene and he took me to see Jason play. (laughs) Uh, And (laughs) I kind of was like, what? Like that guy is extremely good at guitar. And, um, you know, he kind of made a pretty big impression on me just, you know, just with the huge talent. I I was astounded. I actually never heard a guitar player like that. Um, before. And so I ran into him at a party a couple months later and I was like, Oh my God, it's that guitar player guy. He's so good. And at that time I, I was really just playing in a couple country bands and indie indie rock band. I wasn't doing any jazz at that point. And, um, so I tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, hi, I'm a singer and I've heard you play guitar. And like, I wondered if you would want to play music with me someday. And, He gave me a big smile and said, yes, and we've been together ever since.
1: Good answer. (laughs) That is a great answer. (laughs) Wow. Very cool. And here we are.
2: Yeah. And here we are. Seven years. I guess that was eight years ago. I tapped you on the shoulder.
0: Fast forward eight years now. uh, You told us in your email that you've spent the past two and a half years of that touring in an RV. Is that right?
2: That is correct. Yeah, we, uh, we've we been touring for the past five years pretty steadily, and then it just got to the point where, you know, we were paying Seattle prices for an apartment, and that mm-hmm. kind of got ridiculous because we weren't there for like six-plus months out of the year. So when they somebody bought our building also and doubled our rent. So we were like, well, oh, how about oh, no. we don't do this anymore? So, um, yeah, we, we rented a room and saved a bunch of money and researched the best uh, type of vehicle that we could use to kind of just go everywhere we wanted to go and found it and bought it. And we're, we were living in that for about two and a half years. Still have it. Wow. I'm still going to use it. It's just been a little... Crazy this year, so so
1: this year has been different. Here's what I am picturing in my head: you guys (laughs) are driving all over the country, playing like a million shows everywhere, (laughs) yeah, from like sidewalks to concert halls, and tearing it up as you go, and then going back to an RV. Is is that kind of? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So what's what's that like? I mean, what what do you miss about? I mean, if you're doing that, is there? stuff that you miss about having a brick and mortar place is it better is it what's that like
2: um these are really great questions i'm gonna hand it over to jason to answer first because we have different answers for sure yeah yeah. (laughs)
3: um i love the rv and i could live on it for the rest of my life without having a house (laughs) or an apartment um the rv we have isn't isn't huge but it's also not tiny it's a Thirty foot class A Winnebago and has a slide out, so there's a there's a bedroom and a bathroom and a shower and a full kitchen and wow and, and all that. Nice. So it's and it's super fun to drive because it's the big square one, so we have the big front windows. Oh um, yeah, so it it everything just looks great and just going. Fifty-five miles an hour feels just fine in an RV. You don't have to go fast.
1: <laughs> you ever have to watch um, out for birds flying around at those flat windows? Yeah.
3: Uh, um. We there. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing you can do because you don't swerve right. with an RV. Yeah, you just no, if, you just hit not. everything. <laughs> it's all you can do. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a couple times where poor bird. This <laughs> it's a bit um,
1: morbid, but.
4: Yeah. Anyway,
3: <laughs> uh, but the the cool thing about living in the RV is like we can pull right up to the venue. So for Ooh. Be- before COVID, would just pull up to the theater or the you know brewery or the house, and we would you know go in and and set up, and then we could go back to the RV and get ready and make dinner, and I can you know warm up on guitar with nobody bothering me, and um, you know. Put the nice clothes on, walk out of the RV and walk into the venue and go right on stage. So it's like you always have a green room and you always have all of your stuff.
1: That sounds amazing. Yeah. That does so sound that's, amazing. <laughs> that's
3: so nice. And then yeah, so it's you're just traveling with the green room. And then, you know, we it's also nice just having, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, make a pizza right now in the oven or I'm gonna like make some mac and cheese or, you know, I want to make a stir yeah. fry and I can just do it because we have a full fridge and full pantry, and it's ready to go. Um, <clears throat> the RV life isn't for m- most people because RVs have a lot of just inherently. There's a lot of moving parts and things, so you always have to you have to be mechanically inclined and ready to fix, you know, a water right. leak or. In, you know, any sort of something's just all of a sudden, it just doesn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and knock on wood, luckily two and a half years, we've had zero major repairs. Nothing has cost any money except for some time on YouTube, figuring out which hose, which bracket, which thing caused the leak to retighten.
1: <laughs> cool. Wow. Yeah. That's very fortunate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. So- I had a like whenever i got to uh, before covid whenever i got to play a gig that was in my neighborhood that i could walk to or it was only a two-minute drive it was always so amazing but having your home right next to the venue that's a new level of <laughs> fast loadout yeah yeah
3: and and then when covid hit and you know all the restrictions came in in washington um, and then we noticed that there weren't restrictions in any other states, like they were in Washington, they like in Wisconsin, they lifted them right away the end of May. Um, in Montana, didn't really have any at all. Um, we're just like, well, let's just go on the road. We can be safe because we, we can, you know, we don't have to go in anybody's house. We don't have to go in any hotel rooms. Um, and we did this curbside concert thing where we offered people to come and set up on their block or in their front yard or something and play shows and we played a ton of shows feeling totally safe like we didn't have to even come within 30 feet from anybody so that was that was very nice
0: that's pretty cool really really cool uh so where did the idea for that come from and I heard somebody mention that this was talked about in National Geographic too, this whole curbside concert <laughs> concept.
2: Uh, yeah, it was. Um, so the idea came from uh, when we're in Seattle, we park at uh, my friend's house. Um, her name is Carly, and she is in another band with me called Mannequin Barbecue. And that's a whole other story though. What um, a name. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she – You know, when we first kind of went into lockdown, you know, we were potted up because we all lived on the same property and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were kind of freaking out because, you know, not only did our, you know, big album release show get canceled, but our subsequent four months tour also got canceled Mm
4: -hmm. so
2: we were kind of like shoot what are we gonna do like we had our whole year planned out and then everything's gone and she's like you know what why don't you just play in our front yard and we'll have like a little show and so she invited people over uh, for that show and then she's like why don't you just do this like just drive your rv to people's houses and do like outdoor house concerts and I don't that's kind of changed our trajectory when she said that because we we're like oh my god you're right like we can do this and be safe we can be safe and everyone else can be safe because it's all outdoors um and distanced and you know when we were developing this and uh, you know making our cheesy little video for it and um planning out these concerts uh I think it's Amanda Castleman. I'm pretty sure that was her name. Who yeah. wrote the article? Um, and I think she talked about you too, Max.
4: She uh, did.
2: I thought so. She talked about. Oh. There was a lot of people in Seattle that she was mentioning. Um, but she, how cool I, is that? <laughs> I, I I'll send you a link to the to the um, article. But I noticed it because um, Jenny and Birch's house. Uh, Their Mm -hmm. shrub and scrubs made it uh, as one of the, um, what do you call it? The pictures on the article. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's the shrub it's Jenny and Birch. And then I was reading the article and I saw that um, our curbside concerts were also linked and, um, it linked right to our website, which I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yay. <laughs> like,
1: and by you. the way, your website is also amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of musicians' websites and yours is very good. Oh.
4: Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> so Just...
1: let's back up a little
0: bit, though, because we got to hear Jason's take on uh, tourney and yeah, our tourney
4: <laughs> 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 But
0: Kate, you said you have a very different perspective. So let's hear that.
2: Well... Um... You know, the RV life is, is very exciting. There is never, there's literally never a dull moment because um, as Jason did say, there's stuff that kind of goes wrong um, daily, uh, things that you don't really have to think about if you do have a brick and mortar, you know, established mm-hmm. place. Um, for instance, uh, if there is any kind of wind, like if you, if you're looking at, 20 mile an hour wind gusts or more you're not driving the rv so really no oh gosh it's like terrifying because it blows the whole thing it's like a box and it's like it'll blow you over like we've we had to we've had to postpone traveling because of wind before whoa um, so that's one thing is you just have to always kind of be prepared and aware of a lot of things that you wouldn't normally like propane. Do we have enough propane to light our stove or turn on the heat if it's cold and it's cold in an RV? Mm. It gets very cold. <laughs> Do you have electricity? Do you have access to electricity? Um, we got a lot of uh people saying, Oh my gosh, we want you to come do a curbside concert, you know, at our place. And, you know, we have to chat with them about, you know, for touring with the RV and we don't have a secondary vehicle with us. Mm -hmm. We have to make sure that our RV can actually, you know, uh, get access to their house. And a lot of people think that, an RV can drive in their driveway when in actuality it cannot. For instance, there's tree branches that are too low or it's really too steep of a grade. Like the RV can't be parked on, um, uh, on an unlevel, um, ground. So we have like level, like levelers but they're not mechanical levelers like we actually have to go out and like drive it up on ramps and stuff so like even just parking Mm. it takes like half an hour um, and we've actually had to like get up on a ladder on top of the rv and lop off branches from people's trees to get it through <laughs> like it's it's wild it's a total adventure Wait, and tell me I that's don't... ended
1: up in a music video somewhere
2: <laughs> it should we should put that in
1: <laughs> i want to hear about what kind
2: of
0: saws and
1: axes you
2: keep in
0: the rv for trees that are overhanging
2: uh, so, I mean, and I, I'm not knocking it. I love it. And actually, I, I am getting really excited to start touring again in the RV. However, I don't want to live in an RV full time, especially in the Fair. winter. It is seven degrees here currently in Wisconsin. Ooh. So I'm very grateful I'm not on the RV right now. <laughs> That's kind of cold. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Bit. It's ridiculous. I'm from Washington, and it, you know, it or the Seattle area just doesn't really get that cold.
1: No, so, and, and I know nothing about Wisconsin, and we'll probably talk more about that later. But so, <laughs> I'm going to have some questions about that.
2: Okay, Jason so, is a Wisconsin expert, so.
1: <laughs> so I'm curious.
0: So you, uh, Jason, you mentioned that this space is bigger than I imagine because I don't live the RV life and have never lived the RV life. So it's, uh, not something I understand super well. However, it is still a smaller space than a lot, a lot of people's regular living space. And I'm curious how you two practice. Um, do you spend, and especially as a duo too, that lives together, do you have your own solo practice time or do you spend most of it practicing together as a duo? How, how do you approach that?
3: Um, Let's see. It, it's we we do a little bit of both. I'm a I'm a morning person, and Kate's a night person. So I generally I like to go to bed around nine or nine thirty and get up at five or five thirty.
4: Whoa! 5
0: 30. <laughs> How do you play gigs going to bed at nine or nine thirty? So my
3: I my best time to practice and I love practicing is six to eight a.m. That's my practice time. Oh and my gosh. Wow. And Kate's Kate's is sleeping because she doesn't go to bed till midnight or one. So in the in the RV, um, the bedroom is in the back, and then I would I set up like a little all the way up front in the front seat by the driver's seat. Um, I actually had my computer set up and little recording rig and everything set up there to sit in the big captain's chair in the front and um, practice. And I just you know in travel with the RV, we're usually at, you know, little RV parks, or a lot of times people, um, like in Montana and throughout Wisconsin, we found people that let us park on their property that actually had really nice property, um, like beautiful properties of trees and kind of just really nice place. So just making some coffee and opening up the curtains in the front and practicing was awesome. Um, really inspiring. And then, um, <clears throat> For Kate, like her we the big problem is is she didn't have a key. Well, we have a tiny little Yamaha keyboard for her to practice on. That's like the size of a Casio. Um, mm. so there's no full-size keyboard on the RV. So that kind of sucked. Mm. Um, but uh, when we're in Seattle, um, our friends that let us park on their property, they have a piano. And, um, before COVID times, they both worked at nine to five day jobs and we had access to their house. So nice. that was, that was really cool. So Kate would go in the house and, and practice piano and we would, you know, would definitely be using their house the whole time. Um, as far as practicing together, I had, we had a little, you know, always had, you know, a little studio set up so we could be, um, going over songs and recording them and listening back, um. We ended up shooting most of our videos on the RV over the last year. We put up a green screen curtain on there and set up our phones for cameras and made it a whole production RV.
1: Wow. I'm going to want to hear more about all that stuff later, too, actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, before we get to that, do you both do your own video editing, too, with all this green screen stuff?
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, we do all the video
0: editing.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing about the RV, really fast. It's totally unrelated, but how do you do laundry? Do you just go to a laundromat, or is there like...
3: No, we do clothes our, drying. Or like... No, our RV is not the fancy one. We did look at a super fancy RV that had washer and dryer in it, um, but it was too fancy for our budget. A million dollars out of our
1: budget. <laughs> well, what what happens if you're like in the middle of nowhere and there's no laundromat? I'm just curious. Don't
3: do yeah. You and still don't that, do laundry. Okay. Yeah. And that usually doesn't happen. Like when we stay in, you know, we'll park on the street and from a friend's house or we can stay on property and we can, they always let us use their laundry. And okay. then, um, in, in, you know, medium sized cities, um, across the U S it's, uh, not a problem at all to park next to a laundromat and do laundry and hang out on totally. the RV or park in the parking mm. lot.
1: It's, yeah, That's cool. That was just a random question I had. <laughs> Very cool.
4: Well, um, oh, this ahead.
0: has been really fascinating. And I love hearing about this RV touring life business. But I also want to listen to some music. So why don't we uh, listen to a song? And let's check out track one of your new record, Darlene.
4: <laughs> Here it okay. goes.
2: Darlene. Better pack your things and go Darling Oh, darling You're so mean to me No, you can't stay one more night Darling
4: Well, every time you say you're sorry Oh, then you sweep me off of my feet But then you go And when I try to call Your phone just rings and rings Darling I'll
2: give you one more chance, my sweet darling.
1: Awesome. Great song, Darlene. That's so cool. Um, not only a song, but a video, as a matter of fact. And yes. speaking of the things that you guys edit and everything, is this one of those videos you guys have put together yourselves?
2: Actually, this is uh, one of our fancier music videos. Um, we we kind of went all out for this fun and fancy release and uh, produced two, like, Fancy music videos, like we hired uh, real people who do act- this for a living. Um, <laughs> it looks to-
1: very, very good.
2: Yeah. Um, Peter DM Castro and Mackenzie Glisson were our two um, uh, people who were in charge of our two awesome music videos. The music video for Darlene uh, was starring Ruby Mimosa who is an international burlesque star in Seattle and also a friend Um, and also had a few cameos from some jazz folks in, uh, Indeed. <laughs> in Seattle. We got Sweet Spot Combo. Um, they actually performed and sang backup vocals for that for the recording as well. So they're just playing their own parts in that in that video. Wow. And then uh, let's see, Joan Penny, uh, vocalist, is in the video, and John Strayer, who's a vocalist and guitar player. Um, yeah, so that was that was a super fun video to make. You know, all of this happened a year ago. So it was about, yeah, mid-February before we knew that everything was going to shut down. So um, I'm glad we were able to get these videos done before.
1: So I have a, I have a question about the video. I mean, yeah. the song itself is amazing, but this is such a cool video. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit too, just because okay. not every musician gets the chance to make videos like this. Sure. Did you, I mean, the the... I don't know if I would call it acting necessarily as yes, it's acting, but kind of interaction and the expressions that are happening all over the place. Mm-hmm. Is this all your idea or how is this all coming together? Is this being directed? Is this like,
2: yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, so the concept was my idea. I of course wanted to have an even more elaborate setup, but you know, uh, there's a lot of costs (laughs) that go into producing something like this. Um, So, you know, I was like, I want to like hire a choreographer and have dancers and do this whole thing. And, you know, it just, it just didn't work out. And I did call in a lot of favors um, for this (laughs) video to happen. Uh, It was very gracious. Hotel Albatross donated the space. Um, So uh, we were able to, um, have their have access to their space for the entire day before the bar opened, and um, nice. all of the extras were there just because they, you know, I asked them nicely if they would come. The owner of the Sloop Tavern, Patrick Files, is in there. One of my favorite people in the whole world, Ryan Williams, is there. Um, so, and Sweet Spot Combo was just extremely gracious. Um, you know, they they also donated their time to the to the efforts. Um. So yeah, uh, the basic concept was mine. I worked closely with, uh, the director, Peter DM Castro, uh, to kind of conceptualize, um, how this was going to work out. Um, and so he, he's the one who basically put the whole thing together and said, okay, here's what we're going to do and here's how it's going to flow. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how it went. There's a lot of meetings, um, and, uh yeah it was that's so cool so fun
1: um, what is the timeline like for a video like this like how much time does this kind of a thing p- take to put together just well, all in all
2: well um, so we use Peter also for we did a a big video release um, for uh, the album before this one When You're Smiling mm-hmm. um, uh, and we also did a video release the first video we did with Peter was uh, Love Me or Leave Me for our Uh, 2016 album and um, with all of these videos you know uh, we we start out just having meeting talking about you know ideas and what what I'm thinking and um, how we want to go about things and then Peter comes back with kind of like a rough outline of sketches of shots and says okay here's how things are going to work here's how we're going to do it um, and then you know there's a couple more meetings before then, and then we plan out the days where we're gonna shoot. And you know, we're trying to be budget uh, budget aware <laughs> with all of these, just you know, oh yeah, being full-time musicians, we're not rolling in it, as they say. So um, so you know, getting everything, happening in one day is, is what we've always had to do. So, um, you know, some of these superstars get, you know, months and months and months to work and edit on these like elaborate, awesome music videos. And one day I would love to have like all the time in the world and all the money in the world to do, you know, these kind of super fantastical things. But uh, I feel very fortunate that we are hardworking and can get things done, um, in one day. Things that are awesome.
1: Yeah, seriously. I mean, this is, um, well, a lot of jazz musicians, uh, unless they're incredibly famous, um, or I'm missing a lot of things out of, you know, the corner of my eye, I guess, uh, don't really get a chance to make music videos, um, on the whole. Like, I mean, people release albums, you know, here and there, but, By far and away, I mean, outside the jazz world, I feel like people make a lot of music videos. But for people who do primarily jazz, it's pretty uh, unique to have really well put together music videos. Yeah, especially
0: one with with a narrative script like that. I've seen a lot more videos of just live performances. And it's, you know, three camera people like moving around the band. And and those, those are really fun too. But yeah, this is definitely... Yeah, nice to see a narrative video. Yeah.
1: And uh, this is a cool thing for a lot of jazz people to kind of get some insight into as well. Um I think and I was kind of going to transition from this into your some of the other projects you have going like your Patreon mm-hmm. and the YouTube series and all that stuff. Yeah. Um yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I think that something you know, I I I hear what you're saying about um you know, with ja- a lot of jazz musicians, they'll do like live videos of their performances, which are awesome. And I love that. Um, and we we have, of course, live videos as well. But I think with Sunday and Mr. Gessel, you know, we made a choice pretty early on to really hone in our arrangements of these tunes. Uh, so, you know, live shows, we do a lot of improvising, but, um, but for these songs that we... You know, produce on our albums, we have a very clear vision of what the arrangement is. So I think it makes it almost easier to kind of imagine some of these uh, music videos because it's like we have this kind of song. More or less set in stone. This is how we're doing it. This is how long it is. This is how we perform it. Um, So when we're imagining these music videos, I think it's a little bit easier to be like, oh, here's the concept. Here's what we're doing. You know, when I wrote the song, I, I wrote it specifically about. Darlene, And when I was imagining a music video for it, I'm like, oh, Ruby Mimosa has to be my Darlene. So that was kind <laughs> of the inspiration to like, okay, how how much further can I go with this this narrative? Um, but, you know, right from the start with Sunday Mr. Gessel, we, we kind of made a choice to be a little more on the entertaining side of things. Like we wanted it to be, you know, less of a... S- um you know how do i say this honey um
0: less artsy fartsy
2: less artsy fartsy <laughs> yes yes less like you know um and more more just like engaging with mm-hmm. um with people and making them smile and laugh and you know i tell silly jokes in between our our songs and live shows and i i do you know kind of some just really kind of silly stuff and our outfits. Like I just want everything to just be kind of larger than life and um, just fun and fancy.
0: And That's you do an great. amazing
1: job at it, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely,
2: Thank you.
0: So I love hearing about the, what goes on behind the scenes to create such a beautiful video like this. But I also know that uh, the both of you have a couple other YouTube video series and stuff on Patreon, uh, some video dedications, is that right? And yes. uh, Or song dedications, and also uh, an actual show, too, that comes out regularly, right?
2: Yes, we do. Jason, you want to tell him about Sunday Morning Live?
4: Sure.
2: Okay, here he is.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you can talk. Uh, um, yeah, before COVID, before COVID hit, we we decided to um, start a Patreon page. And we're like, well, how do we get people interested in a Patreon? And I'm like, well, we have iMovie and iPhones. Let's figure out how to make videos. So we started our first series, which was um, Concerts on the Road. And we're traveling to different cities. We always, you know, when you travel to different cities, numerous times you meet musicians. And we... um got musicians on board to go to their house or to their studio space and would play a couple songs, would interview them a little bit. And then they'd join us for a song or two. And so, Fun. um, and we did that, how many of those 10 of those in 10 different cities. Um, and then we did a behind the scenes as well. So, um, in our travels in different cities would put together like video collages, um, and photo collages of where we were. And then we did one episode called Meet the Luthiers where we interviewed um, a luthier in Montana and then one in Wisconsin, um, both completely opposite. The one in Montana took apart old pianos and old trees and fence posts and made acoustic guitars upright basses Whoa. mandolins
4: <laughs> wild
3: um, they like really cool like they have holes in them and stuff from like beetles you know in the wood and he just oh left goodness. it all in west yeah west um he's a really cool singer-songwriter folk musician as well and his guitars are are crazy and then it the sounds other sounds like it and then the other luthier is Gordy Bischoff from Eau Claire, who builds my guitars. And um, he's more meticulous, you know, tone wood. Um, his shop is spotless. There's not a speck of dust anywhere. And it, in everything is just very meticulous, where Wes is just like mounds of dust you know, in his in the <laughs> shop and just like, you know, pulling barbed wire off a fence post and sawing it down and making a top for a ukulele. <laughs> um but wow. that, that's a really fun episode. And um and we did Kate edited one about behind the scenes of ma- the making of our music video, which shows a bunch of behind the scenes shots when we're making Darlene. I was uh, going to
1: ask about that too, actually. Nice.
3: Yeah, so there there's a there's like a 20 minute episode about that from um the behind the scenes series we did
1: in 2019
3: and then um my my dream kind of back then traveling around was you know would go and do gigs and people would be like, "Oh, like um so many people are already staying at home and watching shows on their big screen TV and when would stay with people and even my parents If if somebody was on their big screen TV, then they were like, oh, they must be popular. You know, I'm like, it's just YouTube. Everybody's on YouTube. So um, I've had this dream for a bit of owning property in Montana and building a video production studio and having touring bands come in and live streaming them. This is way, this is way, this is like a year before COVID. I didn't even know that this live stream would be the thing now, which it is because of COVID. And mm. um, I was kind of planning on doing that. Like, I'm like, when I'm 50 or 55, I want to retire and have a cool place in the middle of nowhere and just do live streams. Um, little did I know it happened when I was, you know, 43 years old <laughs>
4: instead.
3: So I was. <laughs> stoked that we had a bunch of video chops together before mm. um, before this happened. So um, once COVID hit, we're like, well, let's try another series. And I'm like, well, let's do Sunday morning live. It'll be like Saturday night live, but instead it's Sunday morning. <laughs> for morning people. <laughs> yeah, for, because I'm a morning person. This is perfect. I could do... It's it's COVID. I can do a show whenever I want.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
3: Um, and so it's yeah, like it's like yeah, Saturday Night Live, but a, a lot more hee-haw. <laughs> hey. So the Sunday Morning Live is pretty goofy. Like Kate has a little stand up comedy routine she would do and in, in it funny. and. Uh, funny,
4: I tell you. Yeah,
3: and then we just made up little bits that would put in between playing music. And um, we edited it all together and then would air it like it was live. Um, but we never it wasn't actually live. We would put it together over the course of two weeks and then air it. And um, that was super fun. And we did—we ha- ended up having special guests on there too because we could just edit it in to part, be part of the show. Um, and then we're starting with season two of Sunday Morning Live coming up on February 14th.
0: Ooh, that's coming wow. up soon
3: and that one is going to be live so we we uh we have a little thing wow, set that's up in our, new, our new apartment here and um we're going to use a lot of footage from oshkosh uh, we live in a pretty cool building and um been meeting a lot of really cool artistic people that are doing some cool things here so um, we're going to feature a lot of the building we live in because it's a 150 year old um opera house that has been converted into a big art space in five apartments And there's a grocery store like market um, on the main level and a hydroponic farm in the basement.
1: Holy cow.
3: (laughs) So we don't, I don't even have to leave. I can just get in the elevator and it opens up right in the market and I can buy a brat and a fancy IPA and come back up and boil a brat and have an IPA.
1: How did you uh, find this place?
3: (laughs) Um. Through our travels, we're, we were like, you know, we can't. Well, Kate's like, I can't live on the RV forever. Oh
4: goodness, like Stunning likeness. I can't believe we're still Gotta married.
1: say. Um, so we we're
3: like, well, let's look at different cities. So we had some um, of our favorite cities to be in and play in and meet people with, you know, with great art scenes and great things going on. Um, someone top of our list where Springfield, Ohio is amazing. Um, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we are, Austin, Nashville, of course, um, Bozeman, Montana, Livingston, Montana. Um, is, we, so we are looking for places in all these spots. Um, Reno, Reno is actually pretty cool. And uh, Reno is pretty cool. Yeah. And then talking to business owners of, you know, clubs or, you know, bars and or houses we've played at saying, Hey, you know, at some point we're going to settle down. So if something cool comes up, please let us know. And, um, so this place in Oshkosh, a good friend of mine from college who, uh, had a band and our bands would kind of play, share the same bills. Um, we both had kind of jam bands back then in the nineties and, um, yeah, like you do. And, uh, yeah. And, we would always play at his restaurant. He's a huge jazz supporter. He had a couple jazz nights a week at his restaurant here in Oshkosh called Beckett's Beckett's. amazing food, huge place. He has a 1800 person wedding hall in there as well. Um, And I was just like, Hey Chris, I know you're a man about Oshkosh and own some property. What? Let me know if you hear of anything um, that opens up in the next year. And this was about a year ago. And this summer he's like, Hey, Something's opened up in my building. I'm like, what's your building? He's like, oh, I own the old Wagner Opera House that was built in 1874. And now there's, you know, big arts space where all the artists. He you has know, art lofts kind of space. And then, yeah, and that was it. Damn. And we, we came and checked it out and we we're like, what? This is the coolest place because um, we applied for artist lofts outside of Seattle and stuff. And we actually just got called that we finally came up on the list. After um, three years. After three years in, oh, in no, Everett no, for the art space there. And we're like, oh, we're gone now. Um, and we were looking at art spaces outside of Chicago as well. There's some cool ones down there. Wow. Um, but this place came up, and it's uh, the price is right. <laughs> it's, it's yeah,
1: that sounds like an awesome place.
3: Yeah, it's, um. and it's pretty cool. So, like, you know, barely signed a lease. We can have our dog um chris is a really really great person um the neighbors here are really cool and respectful and yeah we live in the same building as a grocery store and they grow most of their vegetables down in the basement their lettuce and bean sprouts and that is so wow. cool that They sell amazing. in the market <laughs> and
1: your dog the instagram personality right
3: yep
2: oh yes yep. jackie osasses
1: yep, yep. <laughs> um, that's awesome. I just followed Jackie back, as a matter of Aww. fact.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> she likes jazz a lot.
1: <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah. Probably has to. Um, I had another couple questions about Wisconsin. Um, I mean, it, you got me thinking earlier when you mentioned that there was a, a thriving jazz scene in, in the high schools and stuff around there.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think there's a bit of a black hole. Uh, all over the Midwest when people from Seattle kind of think of things that happen there, at least to me. I mean, I grew up in Seattle and uh, with a lot of people that I talk to, we don't know much about the musicians or really anything that happens from like Chicago to Minneapolis to like anything in, you know, really the whole Midwest is kind of like this mysterious other place that Mm. we don't really hear about very much. Um, which is really odd because we do hear about New York, I feel like so mm-hmm. it just kind of but anyway yeah I, there's a ton of cool stuff that happens out there as I've learned and I'm still learning um, what do you guys like about Wisconsin and uh, the other cities that you mentioned that you really like like what what are some things that stand out
2: um well, I'll go first and then I'll hand it over to you sure. but um One of the things that I like so much about uh, Oshkosh in particular um, and a lot of these other uh, places that Jason was mentioning um, is the sense of community and the sense of... um, almost a small town feel. Um, Oshkosh Mm -hmm. has definitely uh, got a small town feel. It is a college town. So there's a a lot of thriving art happening here. Uh, A lot of people who are, you know, trying really hard to be creative um, with the art scene, Um, you know, in these COVID times. um, We have a big show coming up this weekend, um, a very vintage Valentine with the grand theater here in Oshkosh and we did a virtual show with them uh, last October and we did a little Christmas uh, special too. And, um, you know, having the director of this theater calling us and saying, hey, you know, let's work together to try to figure out a way to, you know, continue the arts and, and have this happen. That, that's pretty special um, to have, you know, this, that happened to you and have, um, have opportunities to kind of think with other like-minded people in how to, to keep the arts going, because this is, you know, been, as you probably both have experienced, fairly tragic for a lot of artists. I mean, a lot of people in general, but the arts just got hit so hard. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these places that we've been touring for the past five years, you know, we come back year after year. So it's almost like we're coming home and we're, you know, doing a show in our hometown for the night, you know, and we go on to our next hometown and then, uh, so on and so on. so uh, we have a really strong connection uh, with the people in the venues in uh, Montana, uh, particularly Bozeman, Livingston area and uh, Billings. Hmm. Um, and uh, we've been touring down in Texas, you know, for the last couple of years in the Midwest, you know, Jason's from here. So we, kind of already had a leg up when we started touring because, you know, he's reaching out to old friends and old, old places that he used to know. And they're like, Oh yeah, you can play here. And, um, uh, got a lot of connections through the Midwest, um, through Jason's, um, being here in the past. And Jason has gotten to work with, some incredible musicians in the Midwest. And I kind of hear what you're saying, Max. And like, you know, I'm from Seattle area and uh, I, it was the same for me. Like, I'm like, what's going on in the Midwest anyway? It's <laughs> like, they've yeah, got they an accent and I like that, but I don't know what else is going on over there. So <laughs> it was nice to kind of like, just be here. Like, and actually like, you know hang with the musicians and 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 perform and get to meet people who are you know in the art scene and it's just been uh, i don't know i know that it's kind of a cliche to say that it's a blessing but it seriously has been such a blessing to be able to work with such a diverse um array of musicians and have that support
1: very cool yeah very cool wonderful
2: Jason, do you have anything to add? (laughs)
3: Um, (laughs) uh, Jazz is actually kind of pretty popular in the the Midwest, like Chicago to Minneapolis. There's always, you know, even in Oshkosh, is only 66,000 people. But you can pretty much, when it's not COVID, hear jazz seven nights a week in Oshkosh. Wow, Whoa. that's awesome. And, and it's, that's pretty cool. And then Oshkosh, is <clears throat> Holy cow. Right, it's called the Fox Valley, is right here. So it's, it follows the Fox River from Fond du Lac up to Green Bay, and then it, the Fox River dumps into Green Bay, which is Lake Michigan. And there's um, there's towns all the way up. So it's like Green Bay, Kacona, Appleton, Oshkosh, Fond du Lac. And every city's is like five, 10, 15 miles apart. Uh, but they all have... Like bars and restaurants and places that have jazz all the time. Um, Lawrence University is in Appleton, which has an amazing jazz scene. Um, who went there? John Modeski graduated oh, cool. from, from yeah. Lawrence, or he went no there. Um, some other great players as well. And, um, and University of Green Bay has an amazing jazz scene, and a, they've always had a really good jazz festival. Uh, Stevens mm-hmm. point is right here. They have a great jazz scene and a great jazz festival oh, in Eau
4: Claire.
3: and Eau Claire. Oh my is God, a, Eau Claire is yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Their, their festival every year is amazing. And they have a great scene there too, where you can hear jazz. When I, I went to college in Eau Claire in the nineties and I had, I had, I had a gig every night. I had like a brunch gig on Sunday and I played seven nights a week at restaurants wow. and bars. Um, and man, for more than just tips. I mean, back then, what we average like sixty bucks a person for a trio? But you know, bet nineteen years old. College.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, I, yeah.
3: <laughs> and Eau Claire is only like ninety thousand people, so wow. it's jazz isn't a four-letter word out here. Like the first time I came across a club that said absolutely no jazz was when I moved to. Seattle and I went and it was like 2001 and I'm like okay you know I'm going to get a little group together and um I did and I was going on websites and I came across the High Dive
4: oh no and
3: they <laughs> on their website said no jazz I'm like what yeah, boy.
4: <laughs> oh that's too bad
1: even though a lot of the music that's played there is based in jazz <laughs> yeah yeah but hey <clears throat>
0: um well so, Sounds yeah. like you've found a a new or returning home in Wisconsin. And that's really, really amazing that you've connected to that community. I want to shift gears a little bit and listen to another song, if we might. Uh, we were hoping to check out On the Alamo. Oh, nice. So let's give that a spin. Okay. Yeah.
4: When the moon swings low On the
2: board
4: in the garden. The night I said
0: Wow, what a lovely ballad. Uh, this was a lot of fun. And I really, really liked the melodica solo. Oh, and we're going to have to talk about the melodica for a while here. Because... Uh,
2: I was wondering when this was going to come up.
0: <laughs> yep. So as an accordion player, a fellow free-read instrument player, mm-hmm. uh, this really stood out. Uh, before I played the accordion, I also played the melodica. Um, right. And one of the things that I had a big problem with was the melodica constantly going out of tune Ugh. so with an accordion because i operate a bellows uh mm-hmm. the air that goes over the metal reeds inside is dry mm-hmm. and so it usually doesn't go out of tune very easily you can it can stay in tune for years and years and years on end
4: mm-hmm. but
0: unlike mm-hmm. an accordion a melodica is more similar to a harmonica i guess because you're blowing into it mm-hmm. that moist uh, damp human air goes over those <laughs> reeds and it can corrode, it can it can go out of whack.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you do about that? Do you tune them? Do you buy new ones? How do you solve this problem?
2: Well, that's a great question. Um, yes, they do go out of tune and you know when we first okay, I'm going to start from the beginning. Um, I was gifted a melodica like Oh, gosh! A long time ago, um in my early twenties, my friend was just like, "I just think you would like this, and I was like, "'What in the world like I'd never even heard of a melodica, and of course, I liked it, I loved it, in fact, and my friend who got married? Uh, asked her my her request for her wedding gift was that I learned "Flight of the Bumblebee" on Melodica. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a request!
2: I know, and so and you know what am I gonna do? I can't say no. I I don't know how to say no. Um, so I did, and that was kind of like the onset of my melodica career. <laughs> mm, um, and then so we brought it into Sunday, Mr. Gessel, cause it was just like, you know, it just kind of fit in with the kitschiness of the whole concept. Um, and, you know, it's playing that same melodica that I'd gotten from my friend. And like, at this point it'd been, I'd had it for 10 years and like, it was bad. Like it was going out of tune all the time. You know, it was kind of a toy, version mm-hmm. of a melodica um so i upgraded to a yamaha 37 key which was also really cool because i was Ooh. playing the 32 key for a while so 37 key was cool because i got a couple extra notes on the top and then it had anti-corrosive reeds in it but um you know i played it every day i didn't i don't i mean i don't know how many people in the world play their melodica every day but i i did <laughs> and it also went out of tune, and so it, you know I would kind of go through like kind of cheaper melodicas like this. So I I, I don't know I think we went through maybe five or six.
4: Yeah, I went through like one
2: a year. Yeah, I was like one a year. Whoa! And then um, and then I bought a Hammond uh melodica.
0: Hammond makes melodicas, like what? the same <laughs> Hammond that makes the organs.
2: Yes.
4: <laughs> no and way! I had no idea.
2: It's like so. It's like night and day different. I mean, it was really expensive. It also has a pickup, so I can plug in, which was I also saw another, it. Oh, on
0: the you. I saw it on YouTube that okay. you had uh, a quarter-inch cable pick, plugged into that melodica, and I knew I had to ask about that. So I'm still <laughs> glad you're bringing it up. <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, it's kind of been a game changer because I've always, you know, in the past I would just, you know, because melodica is an acoustic instrument, so I would just hold mm-hmm. it up to my vocal mic. And then when we started making these videos and things like that, and even like audience members, I would get feedback from people saying, you know, when you do these solos, we can't see your face and we can't see the keys. And like people wanted mm. to see my beautiful face um, And <laughs> They also wanted to see me playing it And so um, When we got the the Fancy Hammond That's when I was like okay this is great Because you know now Jason and I can Kind of interact a little bit more on stage And I can you know Show the audience my Bebop Melanica shredding skills <laughs>
0: Fancy fancy totally. That's so exciting I own and that I hashtag
2: am- by the way hashtag melodica shredder so just look it up that's rad we do still have to tune the melodica though because it does go out of tune even the fancy one so
0: is that something you crack open and start filing the raids yourself how do you go about that that
2: that is a mr gessel job he's a Ah. a man of many trades
0: (laughs) that's amazing
3: (laughs) yeah so i i have i tune this melodica i don't know once every six months um, there's a C out of tune right now that I have to fix. Um, and I, <laughs> in that we, on one of our Sunday morning live episodes, I did do a melodica tuning tutorial. Um, and I will be I gotta check that out. Um, not this one coming up. I got to edit it. There's a lot of editing cause it's like a two hour process. I need to make three minutes long. Um, <laughs> whoa, and, whoa. but the last time I tuned it, I actually destroyed one of a couple of the reads. Like I just. <sighs> accidentally slipped when I was filing and bent it so it just started sounding like a honk Oops. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> and, and that was a pain in the butt trying to find reads replacement reads for it um, huh. during COVID because it couldn't really send it anywhere they're like yeah you can send it but you know they need to sanitize oh, yeah. it and hold on to it and all this stuff um, but I found a place out of Pennsylvania that fixes melodicas and they had a, he had a bunch in the shop and he had um, the reed that I needed because there's three different reed plates in there and he didn't have all of them. And I'm like, well, mm. when are you getting them? He's like, well, they're on backboard. I don't know if, I don't know when we'll ever get them. <laughs> um, but he actually had the reed plate I needed. So, and then I asked him, a, he answered a bunch of questions for me. It was super nice and sent me the reed plate right away and I, and it, it, it worked. So.
1: It's back, back that's up and running,
3: but awesome. But yeah, I've like there's some people on YouTube that I found that they have the same Hammond and they're meticulous about it. They tune it after every gig.
0: Oh, that's that sounds. That's awesome. I I can't tell if that's excessive or not, but it sure sounds like a lot of work.
3: I know. Yeah, that's yeah. So yeah. Uh, one of the people, um, he was a, a reggae band, so they'd play you know four to six hour shows, mm. and. Um, Playing the you know melodica bunch and be like yeah every time after we do one of our big shows I,
0: I tune it the next day, so hmm. wow I'm sure glad that is not something that I have to go through but you make the melodic sound wonderful and a, that was a great solo and you played a lot on this record and it's it's great.
2: Aww, I agree. Thank you there guys. Wow. More,
0: more free read instruments. <laughs> free read. That's what I say. <laughs> That's right. Well,
2: free an accordion has its own set of difficulties. So, and you're an amazing accordion player, Josh.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you. And Max, uh, you're also
2: an amazing jar. One of well, thank but the problems you.
0: that I don't have to deal with <laughs> is uh, tuning it. That's not, I don't have to do that every no. six months or every after every show. No.
2: But you do have to lug it around. I do
0: it's a lot heavier than most melodicas yes Uh, I don't know if there are melodicas as heavy as my accordion but I I kind of hope not (laughs) 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 so uh let's talk a little bit more about some of the other songs uh not necessarily songs in particular but I hear a lot of tunes on this record that's got more than one guitar is there another Jason or is it a different guitarist
2: uh, I'm gonna let Jason answer this, or maybe the other Jason.
4: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um,
3: well, I'm very obsessed with Les Paul and his, uh, and even his ability to do looping back in the late '40s and early '50s by using like a little tape machine. So I do a bunch of, uh, do a lot of looping um, yeah, on the record. I don't know there's a couple things where I just did a second layer of guitar or a third layer mm-hmm. of guitar, but most of it, I do it all live anyway. So I'll start, I hit the, I hit record on the loop pedal right when the song starts. Um, so Kate oh. will sing the whole thing through. And then at the end, you know, I hit, so it loops again and I add another layer, um, like during the melodica solo. And then I'll, then I'll, Maybe take a solo, or the time that she comes back with the head or the next part. I'll hit the loop on again, and then a third layer will be layered on top of it as well. So, so the
0: length of your loop is the the length of an entire chorus, then. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The, wow. the loop beam pedal I have can loop, I think, up to f- six minutes.
4: Whoa. Nice. And
3: its recording quality is twenty four ninety six, so it's twenty four bit. Um, it sounds great. I, when we first started, I was using a Boss looping pedal, and it just sounded like a completely different guitar because it's, mm. just, it's just a lower bit rate, so that wasn't working. But um, the TC Electronics Ditto has a high bit rate, so it's really hard to tell what's recorded and what's not recorded.
0: That's um, pretty exciting.
3: Yeah, so like on Darlene, um, all those guitar parts are all live with the looping pedal. Wild. Yeah, so hmm. like one one part will be, um, and I do crank up the low end of my low notes, so it does. At I try to make it sound like you kind of feel a bass, so I really crank the like twenty k to eighty k, mm-hmm. like the real low end, um, and I have custom made pickups um, that kind of pick up that that pulsating bassy sound, um, and so I'll walk bass lines and play the chords on top of it. Um, as one part. So I kind of structure each part that I layer do do have multiple parts in as well. Um, and then just a bunch of different effects, tremolo and reverb, and um, different pickup settings.
0: Um, that's some really fancy, nerdy guitar pedal is. wizardry.
3: It is. <laughs> now, with, now that we've had... Uh, I stepped it up in our show that's happening this Friday. I have three different guitars, and I'm looping... Sometimes all three of them within one song. Whoa! So I can have like more. Are you acoustic sound? Plugging in,
0: yeah. Are you plugging and unplugging different guitars within the set, or are yeah. they just all three plugged in and you, you swap?
3: I am plugging and unplugging them for this show because um, most of our stuff is still in storage in our friend's basement in Seattle, including mm. all those pedals and cables where I could have everything plugged in at once. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a long shot, but did you happen to use? I think we played a gig with Birch a long time ago, a few yeah. years ago. Uh, yeah. Did you have this looping thing with you at that point in time?
3: Um, <clears throat> it was on my pedal board. I don't know if I ever used it.
1: Yeah, because I think I remember. I think I remember seeing one, and I. Yeah. Yeah, and you might have used it. I'm not sure. I might have. Some,
3: sometimes, if I was comfortable on the gig, I would use it as a joke, just like. You know, when Perch is singing, I would just like loop the bridge or something and then when it came back around I'd just hit the loop and I'd just sit there and not play guitar and just, you know, look at
1: Well I remember Everybody being very the imp- band just like what? <laughs> I remember being very impressed with whatever you were doing at the time. And that might have been part of it.
3: Um but it is a it is it does throw people off. Um you oh, know, totally. If the guitar player's you know, throwing a loop in there and then not playing, it's like, well, dude, what are you doing? That's not what your fingers... And then also if, you know, um, playing just Kate and I, like if there's any rushing or dragging or anything, it can be compensated a lot easier than if there's a drummer and a bass player trying to follow that loop by the guitar <laughs> player.
0: It can be pretty annoying.
1: <laughs> no, that's really cool that you're able to do that. Not a lot of people are.
0: Yeah, definitely. Those... That's a much longer loop than I'm accustomed to hearing out of a loop pedal.
1: Yeah, I try to make it
0: sound
3: like it's not a loop. So most people are just like, wait a second, Mm. you know, after a show, like, wait, I did not know when you recorded and when you didn't record and, you know, what you had going. And most people ask if we're playing with backing tracks.
4: Mm. Um,
0: I would have sworn that the uh, multiple guitars on this record, I would have sworn up and down that they were overdubs. So yeah, uh, count me impressed.
3: There so on the Alamo is definitely overdubs. Gotcha. On that version. That's why our live version is seven minutes because they're um I'm um, looping. <laughs> so it takes so, a so while to longer. load them we up. Have, we have longer gotcha. sections and all that. So I can have all those parts in there. Um, sure. But that wasn't able to happen on that one. Um mm-hmm. and some of them when we made them shorter and more for we thought of like, you know, this is um some of these songs just can't be seven minutes long, like a seven minute ballad on a recording is different than live because we have, you know, you're looking at performers on stage, so it's a little easier to take in, but so, yeah. So I think a lot of it on the record is also the engineer, um, The engineers we worked with are just like you're not gonna loop. You're gonna you're gonna overdub this you're gonna overdub (laughs) it because when I'm mixing it, I'm gonna want this louder, I wanna EQ this differently, and I won't Mm -hmm. be able to do that. So Sure. They did Mm. not allow me
0: to loop. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, I am excited that we got to hear nerdy things about the melodica and now the guitar and your pedals. It's the best. Uh, Thank you for for regaling us with these stories. Uh, I want to know for our listeners that want to hear more of your stuff and know what you're up to. How can they follow what you're up to?
2: Well, um, a good start or a good place to start is our website. Um, We have that
1: amazing uh, website.
2: Thank you. Um, Funandfancymusic.com. We have a lot of videos on there. Um, We explain uh, the curbside concerts. Um, Another thing we didn't talk too much about today, but um, is available on our website. is dedication videos where people get to choose a song and then we arrange it and perform it and um, make a video for for you. Um, That's been a really fun thing that we've been doing during COVID and beyond. Um, That's been a really exciting way to continue playing music. Um, So yeah, there's that. It's a really cool idea. Yeah, it's been really fun too. We've kind of upped our game uh, a little bit since we started doing it. We actually started two years ago on Valentine's Day. We were just like, maybe people want us to do a Valentine's Day thing. So we threw it out there and we got, I think, 16 people who wanted one of these videos. And we didn't realize that so many people would – want us to do it and so we just spent like an entire day like 8 a.m till midnight recording (laughs) these videos oh my
4: gosh (laughs) holy
1: cow
2: and it was great because there's actually a couple of songs that people requested that we didn't know that we ended up loving so much we put it we put like um unforgettable and the man i love are on this new record and we hadn't ever performed those songs before um they were requested for that Valentine's Day thing so ended up being pretty cool so yeah website is a great place to check out um, we are on patreon that's a place for people to support artists and people who are creating right now it's actually a really great way uh, to support uh, fellow artists and we follow a lot of people on patreon and um, you can follow our adventures and get discounts from our merch stuff and come to our concerts and there's all kinds of cool stuff we offer our Patreon members. You can find that at patreon.com slash Sunday and Mr. Gessel. We're on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, our Sunday morning live show airs every other Sunday. At noon central, so that's 10 a.m. for all you Pacific Northwesterners. Um, morning people. Morning people. <laughs> Gosh, I don't even know how you get, you get this, Mr. Kessel. Um, I guess it's not that early. <laughs> well, noon for us is, is much better here yeah. in, in the Midwest now. Um, so that's airing uh, this Sunday, February 14th. And you can find it on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash Sunday and Mr. Gessel or Facebook, facebook.com slash Sunday and Mr. Gessel.
0: Very nice. Are there any uh, besides this coming Sunday's show? Are there any other live stream shows or things that uh, our listeners should be watching out
2: for? uh we are doing a Valentine's Day show this weekend that's available for free on demand through the theater we are performing at so you can stream it whenever you want um, all day Saturday the 13th or Sunday the 14th if you go to nice. the grand and you just register there and can watch it whenever you want
1: that is awesome yeah all
0: right well uh, yeah that's About all we have time for. Thank you both uh, you, Kate, and Jason for joining us. Of course. And telling us all about your amazing project. And congrats on the Earshot Golden Ear nominations.
4: Thank you. And
0: for all of you listeners, uh, you've been listening to Jazz Talk Seattle. And if you like what you're listening to, we have a new episode out every month. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your regular podcasts. If you want to find out more about what's going on with this podcast, you can also find us on Facebook. Just look up Jazz Talk Seattle. Thanks so much for joining us and we will see you next month. Thanks, you guys.
2: Yeah. Thank you guys for having an awesome podcast. I hope everyone subscribes.